Thank you very much, and good morning, everyone. This is Preacher Bill Gilliland at First Christian Church right here in Covington, and it's a joy to be able to come into your home or into your car or wherever you might be this morning with the good news of Jesus. I'd like to say hello to a lot of our First Christian Church members who uh, are listening in uh, to the message this morning, and we have a lot of the community folk that uh, are also a weekly part of uh, this radio broadcast, and we appreciate you so much. Uh, let's get right into the Word of God this morning. Last week, last Sunday, we started a uh, three-part series, uh, sermon series, Steps of True Discipleship, uh, and it's based on one verse of Scripture over in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and the Bible says he said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now, that, that's a, a great verse of Scripture. And uh, last week, last Sunday, we looked at the idea of a person denying him or herself if they want to be a follower of Jesus. And today, we want to take the second part of that verse, or that challenge by the Lord Jesus, when he says, and take up their cross. Deny yourself, and take up your cross, and follow me. You know, when we consider the phrase or the concept of a Christian bearing their cross or taking up their cross for the Lord, we often remember <clears throat> Arthur Blessed who beginning uh, in the late 60s, uh, crisscrossed, no pun intended, he crisscrossed this nation and later much of the world dragging a huge cross. And of course, the implication of him doing that was that he was taking up his cross for the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember years ago, I heard a story that said that uh, it was actually a, a styrofoam cross, and therefore it didn't weigh very much. Well, I, I don't know about that, and I, I have read a little bit about Blessed and, and uh, his ventures of, of bearing the cross. Uh, uh, a story I read said that in, in 1970 uh, to 71, uh, he set out and uh, walked from uh, Los Angeles California to Washington, D.C., uh, bearing, carrying that cross. Uh, as of July 2019, Blessed still partakes in crosswalks globally, all over the world, not just in our nation. And he claims to have covered over 43,000 miles through 324 nations, island groups, and territories. Uh, isn't that remarkable? Bearing a cross. Well, that's not, of course, what Jesus had in mind when he said that if a person wanted to follow him or be his disciple, he needed to take up their cross. But I appreciate Blessed and the ministry that he had. And you realize, of course, that every time passers-by saw Blessed carrying that cross down the road, they probably thought of Jesus and his cross. And the cross that Jesus bore on the road to Calvary 
when he, when he hung on the cross and suffered for you and for me, for our forgiveness, for our salvation. Now, let's consider this idea of taking up our cross for Jesus. Uh, the Greek noun staros, which is translated cross, appears 28 times in the New Testament. Now, 22 of those times, it refers to the cross of Jesus, the cross of Christ, and uh, what it, it accomplished for us when he died there. But six times in the New Testament, it has reference to the cross that a follower of Jesus takes up or bears, that Jesus asked the follower to take up and bear. Here in Matthew chapter 16, and then there in two other Gospels, the same event or the same main text is, is covered when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi and questioned his disciples who he was. And you remember it was Simon Peter who confessed, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And it was during that conversation that Jesus said, if anyone wants to be my disciple, he's going to have to deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 37 and 39, and Luke chapter 14, verse 27, in a discussion which most of your Bibles will label counting the cost, Jesus speaks and says the same words almost that he says in our main text, that if a person really wants to be committed to him, he's going to have to take up a cross and follow him. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 21, Jesus talks with a rich young ruler, a rich young man, and tells him that he, if he wants to be his disciple, he should go and liquidate all of his assets and, and uh, he would have treasure in heaven and then take up his cross and follow him. Now, that's only in the King James Version. So six times out of the 28 times that the word cross is mentioned in the New Testament, it's talking about my cross and your cross and the cross that uh, Jesus' followers would be bearing. Um, what does this mean? What did Jesus mean? To what does taking up my cross refer? And uh, I, I, I did some study and some research. You know, Jesus wasn't talking about a judgment or a condemnation or a punishment here when he said we, we needed to take up our cross. Instead, he was talking about an invitation that is handed out, an invitation to dine at the table of the king, but we need to take up our cross. We often hear people say when they're experiencing a particularly rough period in their lives or going through a sickness or pain, we'll hear them say, well, I guess it's just my cross to bear. I guess that's just the cross that the Lord wants me to bear. And uh, we hear that. Uh, references to everything from ingrown toenails to a nagging wife or mother-in-law, don't we? I guess that's just my cross to bear. And you know, uh, I, I think that what we do, we, we confuse the idea of bearing our cross with our thorns in the flesh. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 talked about the thorn in the flesh that had uh, burdened him. And, and three times he said he asked the Lord to take it away. But, but a thorn in the flesh 
is different from bearing or cross. Now, those two things could overlap at times. While both may be related to suffering, the purposes of the two may be totally different. What, is it, what does it refer to, taking up my cross? One preacher said it's an invitation to lay down the unnecessary and perhaps even the sinful worries of trying to save face, save our possessions, save our prestige, save our privileges. And that gets into the idea of self, doesn't it? We've, we dealt with that last week. Uh, before we can ever take up our cross, we're going to have to deny self. We're going to have to put self down in the closet. Um, last Sunday, we covered that subject. Um, someone else said that taking up my cross is an invitation to consider how we can live our lives in a way that blesses other people. Now we're getting somewhere, I think. When we take up a cross for the sake of Jesus, we're also taking up our cross to try to reach people in the same way that Jesus reached people when he bore his cross to Calvary. Think about what we've been through in these last 15 months. The COVID-19 virus was not necessarily a cross that we were called to bear. And I've heard a lot of people say, well, this is just something the Lord wanted us to go through. It's, it's, a, it's a cross that we have to bear. I, I don't believe that's true. But how we reacted to the virus how we were able to reach out to people who, who needed our help, our prayers, uh, our encouragement. Now, that could be the, the cross that we are called to pick up and carry. Think about that, if you will. Someone else said it's, it's an opportunity to step outside the walls and the barriers that keep us self-contained and self-centered. And I believe that's totally true. We're so tied up with ourselves so often, we don't even think about what is waiting outside those walls for us to do for Jesus. Uh, someone else said, uh, it's, it's a call to step into the kingdom of God where we will be set free to be lovers of God's purposes for the world. Free, free to minister free to testify and witness for, for Jesus, free to do whatever it is he wills us to do, what decisions, what choices, what sacrifices will bless the church, will build the kingdom and honor our Lord. Uh, I, I like what Henry T. Blackaby said about taking up the cross. He said, uh, your cross is God's will for your life. Regardless of the cost, it's what God's will for you is. Taking up your cross is a choice. In other words, it's voluntary. It's not beyond your control. And he says, once you have settled your relationship with Christ, he will introduce you to your cross. But you won't even be introduced to your cross until you have settled that personal commitment and relationship to him. We have a lovely family that were, that were uh, members of First Christian Church for years and labored and served both school teachers, Mike and Marcy Brown, and many of you uh, knew Marcy and you remember. And, 
and they realized that foreign missions was God's call. It was God's will for their life. They went on some short-term missions and had such a good time, but they realized this has got to go deeper. And, and you see, this became, it became their cross. It, it became their identity with Jesus. And they're in Peru ministering and teaching and working with children. I think of what Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, back in the days of World War II and the Holocaust, when Hitler was uh, trying to, to, to uh, bring peril to the Jewish race and end it, and uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a minister of the gospel. He, he wrote a book entitled The Cost of Discipleship, and in that, in that book, he talked about taking up one's cross, and he said, it's a call to death. And, and the main line of that is, when Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. He says it's a necessity. It's not the sort of suffering which is inseparable from the mortal life, but the suffering which is the essential part of the specifically Christian life. He says the cross is laid on every Christian. The first Christ suffering which every man must experience is the call to abandon the attachments of this world, Bonhoeffer says. Thus it begins. The cross is not the terrible end to an otherwise God-fearing and happy life, but it meets us at the very beginning of our communion with Christ. He says, when Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. I believe that's true. Uh, he said, to endure the cross is not a tragedy. It is the suffering which is the fruit of an exclusive allegiance to Jesus Christ. When it comes, it's not an accident, but it's a blessing. So let's consider this taking up the cross. You know, taking up one's cross is a figure of speech that's closely related to crucifying the flesh. Uh, in fact, the word crucifixion and crucify uh, has the same Greek root as the word cross, staros. And we know that crucifixion is when one is hung on a cross, don't we? So uh, we have this figure of speech that Jesus gave us, which is identified by the fact that we need to crucify the self, the flesh, the carnal things of this world. Let's take a look at some verses where this word is used. In Galatians chapter 5, and I love this passage. We often think of it as the fruit of the Spirit passage, but before Paul lists the fruit of the Spirit, he lists the acts of the flesh, if you remember that. Uh, in verses 19 through 21, he says the acts of the flesh are obvious. And, and then he lists them, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Those are the acts of the flesh. But then in verses 22 and 23, Paul lists the fruit of the Spirit. 
He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He says, against such there is no law. Now, look at verses 24 and 25 of Galatians 5. He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You know those acts of the flesh that Paul listed in verses 20 and 21? He says, people who belong to Jesus Christ, they crucify the flesh along with its passions and its desires. You know, believers, uh, Christ believers, are to take their old sin nature and figuratively speaking, they are to nail it to a cross. We crucify the flesh through repentance of our sin by turning our backs on that old way of life, by saying no to the selfish and the sinful passions that beat against our door, by utterly renouncing the flesh, crucifying the flesh. Now, we can stay in Galatians, and in chapter 2 and verse 20, we have the more familiar verse where Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. You see that word crucify there? I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. See, that's the idea of the Christian. We have ended the, the old life, the sinful life, the carnal fleshly life, and we have put that on the cross and we go about in our daily lives saying, I, I have a new life. I have a life that Christ has given me and set me free. I live it by faith. <clears throat> what have you done with your old self? I, I think about the words of Paul in Romans chapter 6. Verses 6 and 7, he says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him. You see, there it is again. Our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Earlier in that same chapter, you remember, the Apostle Paul said, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase or abound? And he says, By no means. We died to sin. How shall we live in it any longer? You see, when he says we died to sin, he's picturing that same thing that, that uh, uh, he says in chapter 6. Uh, the old self was crucified with him. How can we live in it any longer? Uh, in verses 11 through 13 of Romans 6, he continues with this same idea. He says, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin 
as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Last week, we talked about the fact that when we become Christians, we get in a war, a battle between good and evil, between Satan and the Holy Spirit, but we are winners. We are victorious because we crucify, we put to death the flesh, the carnal nature. Um, you know, the cross that we bear, the cross that Jesus says that we need to take up if we're going to follow him, it's an extension of the cross of Christ. In Galatians chapter 6, Verse 14, Paul says, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. But then in verse 17, he says, From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. And I think Paul meant that literally. He had been beaten, he had been stoned, he had been shipwrecked. He, he had been mistreated for the cause of Jesus. He, he had suffered. He, he had taken up his cross. And he says, I bear in my personal, my body, the marks of Jesus. So, dear friend, have you crucified the flesh? If, you, if you're going to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus, it's going to cost us something. Uh, we're going to have to count the cost. But when we count the cost of following Jesus, no matter what we have to bear up or go through, no matter what we have to suffer, it's well worth it. Jesus is going to make it worth our while. So I hope that you can say, along with the Apostle Paul in that more popular Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the body, I, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, gave himself up for me. Uh, there's a very touching story about Father Damien, the priest who worked among lepers in a remote island. Often when preaching, he said to the people, you who are lepers... And then he would continue on. But one day, he said to them, We who are lepers. And the people at once realized that he had contracted the disease of leprosy, and now he was one of them. And that moment was electric for them. You could have heard a pin drop after he said, We who are lepers. Now they knew that he was truly one of them. Dear friend, when Jesus asks us to carry our cross, he wants us to be a part of him. That's why he called it a cross that we take up. He knows that suffering in some shape or form is part of Christian living. Indeed, it's a part of human living. You know, we're not immune from suffering just because we're Christians. In fact, if we're the Christians we ought to be, we're going to go through some suffering, some heartache. You cannot take the cross out of Christianity. 
but Jesus will help us to carry our cross and therefore make life worth the living and bear the challenge. Has Christ revealed your cross to you? And do you carry your cross with pride? Even though it may cost, it will definitely bless you. I hope that you're a Christian, and I hope that you're a Christian who knows what it's like to really live for Jesus. I hope that you want to be a true disciple. But in order to do that, you must, first of all, deny self and then take up the cross. Next week, we'll complete this series with Follow Jesus. If you're not a Christian today, I hope that you would be willing to say yes to him. It's not the easiest road, but it's the most righteous road. It's the most fulfilling road. It's the road that leads to forgiveness and salvation and eternal life. And that's worth it all, dear friend. May the Lord bless you. Let's pray together. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that we can share today from your word, that we can see the words of the Lord Jesus Christ about following him and being his disciple. Help us, Lord, that we might resolve to be the very best Christians that we can be, no matter what the cost. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.